Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zon. I'm Zoo. And I've got my Viking helmet on, mayonnaise on the lawn, and we're ready to do this. <laughs> I love lawn mayo. That's the best of all the mayos. Well, little known fact here, you know, yesterday was Groundhog's Day. It was the second. Today, it's actually Weasel Stomping Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, special thanks to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbook audio, geek factor radio, and radio KSCR. Yeah. Our, our list seems to be getting smaller. That is by design, though. Mm-hmm. It probably doesn't help that, you know, we just endorsed Weasel Stomping Day. <laughs> hey, Weasel Stomping Day is awesome. It but, you is. know, it's not, I, I, it's, it's good to say. Our sponsors are not dropping us. We are dropping our sponsors. There's a difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we have a ton of headlines. I We have not had this many headlines for a very long time. And, of course, this is also the week when we suddenly get feedback. So we need to plow through this. Uh, just real quick, though, let's give a quick shout-out to Wizarding Days coming up here in the next few weeks. We're getting close. Um, and then... Um, Allard Wizard? What are you showing me? I have a little wizard here. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is that? So that makes for awesome radio. Thank you. No and problem. Also, a quick shout out to Salt Lake Comic Con Fan X coming up in March. They just announced the guys from Psych, and we are excited. We are doing the chocolate dance. I don't know what that is. I never watched Psych, so... Psych is one of the greatest TV shows in in like ever. You need All to I know it. is that Psych came on right before Burn Notice. Again, one of the best shows ever. I mean, T- those two shows right there. That's about all you need to know when it comes. TNT to TV. had some good shows. It was USA. Yeah, them too. Yeah. Okay, feedback. Feedback from Paul, our favorite Irish slash Scottish guy, whichever one offends him more. Welsh, Welsh, yes. Uh, Happy 2017. In this new year, I, like many, will prob update my laptop and phone. What do you guys think the Android world will give us this year? I still have my 2014 MacBook Pro, and it has not failed me once yet. I have, however, went through three medium-tier work laptops, so very much on the fence about switching back to a Windows environment. To many friends also gave me this type of scenario. I think he means too many friends, double O there. Friend, my 600-pound laptop is so much better spec than your Mac, and it costs less and does more. Okay, sounds good. But what's it actually like to use? Oh, it's amazing. It's the best laptop ever. I mean, after week one, the hard drive failed, but guess what? They fixed it for free. Right. Can I see it? Well, it has a motherboard issue right now, and this is amazing. They can't fix it, so they're sending me the new model for free. This is pretty much an actual conversation, and in that time, I could have lost a good bit of money by letting freelance clients down. That being said, I don't want to get my wallet fondled by Apple with the new MacBooks. Help me, Paul. I think fondled is putting it lightly. At least it's fondling. That denotes a sense of care, you know, sensitivity, albeit gentle... (laughs) See, I've I've kind of come to see Apple as, you know, with a wallet, the way that you would see the drunk uncle at Thanksgiving with your cute cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have a Dell, um, and I love it. It's an Inspiron 15. Uh, it, it's incredibly fast. It's incredibly powerful. It's great. And after week two, when the hard when the uh, graphics chip 
crapped out. Dell was really good about just flat out replacing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it, has, See, it hasn't my had Dell any works issues great. since. Yeah. So it's like, I, I get what you're saying. My Dell cost $700 and will probably last me for years. My previous Dell laptop cost $800 and last for six years. Seven. Seven years I had that laptop. And now the kids are using it. But I get what you're saying, because Macs typically last a lot longer. They last so long, in fact, that the hardware is barely crawling along. But you feel bad about getting rid of it, you know? I So I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I've actually heard some good news about the new MacBook Pro, the one with the touch bar, running Windows. You mean the one that... That he you doesn't need, want to get fondled by? Yeah. Well, no, the one that you need, like adapters and dongles and all manner of peripheral connections to actually use. I, Paul, there is no good answer. You I know, feel weird saying that, but... I, I think at this at this point in time, it really boils down to preference. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really, really does. Because, I mean... You could get a Mac that craps out on you in two weeks. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. You could get a Dell that craps out on you in two weeks. It happens. We know people. But, you know, Zoox If you get has, an HP, it will crap out on you. Yeah, I mean, yours, my Dell hasn't had any problems. One of my coworkers, his, his has had problems almost since day one. You had problems almost since day one. Well, but I had once, a problem, but then they fixed it. Yeah, but once that problem is resolved, it generally is a power horse that just goes and goes and goes, kind right. of like a Mac. Yeah, so it's there are no right answers right now. And I know that we, we give Apple people a hard time, but the fact of the matter is, is honor is exactly right. It all comes down to preference. And if that preference is something you want to spend the money on, then, hey, go for it. It's no better than a PC. It's no worse either. Um, your friend is right for a quarter of the price he can have the same specs or better specs, but yeah. there's always going to be that chance. Well, and you know, you when you're paying less for something, you do take inherent risks, and usually those risks will pay off with a if you go with a reputable PC manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Which is why I do get Dell because yes. even if I'm paying less and even if it breaks, I know that they'll fix it, and they always yes. do. Exactly. Um, as, as far for your as other phones, question, yeah, phones. What is Android going to bring us this year? More of the same. I think so. A refinement of the same. Um, the Galaxy Note 8 will blow up a little more efficiently. It'll blow our minds and not our ears. <laughs> or our heads or that our fingers. That sounds suggestive, doesn't it? It really does. It does. Um, I think Nougat, Android Nougat, which is rolling out right now and is starting to launch at other phones, is really going to bring a further refinement of connected devices. Um, and in that way, it's going to be really, really nice. I think it's going to tighten up the UI a lot more, kind of like what iOS has had for years. I think Apple is starting to branch more into connected devices outside of the Apple ecosystem. And for that reason, it will fail. But then they'll fix it. They'll get it figured out. Um just saying. I do know that the Surface Phone, there's talk about the Surface Phone coming out in 2018. And I think Microsoft has learned from past mistakes. So I believe, and this is just me spitballing here, that Microsoft is going to announce a new developer kit that'll allow it to run 
Android apps and the Android ecosystem while maintaining Microsoft hardware. I'll bet you money Google won't like that because Google hates Microsoft and will do everything they can to stop that project before it starts. That'll be interesting. We should find out more by middle of March, I think. When's MWC? Um, Mobile World Conference is the end of February, beginning of March, I think. Okay. I knew yeah. it was coming up. And Samsung is announcing something um, March 26th, and then they'll be announcing the S8 a little bit later. Uh, we're, we should be seeing Google Wear 2.0 coming out here soon. Yeah, so, I mean, if you like your phone, you can keep your phone. Uh, if you're going to upgrade, you're going to get a fancier version of what you got now. Yeah, not not a huge amount of uh, stuff is being developed right now. So, um, Into our headlines, and we start with a quick little update. I don't think it's worth us really going into it, but you remember how GoPro launched that drone? Yes. The, the Karma that was immediately pulled from markets because it had this horrible habit of, you know, turning off midair yes it turns out that's not a good thing for anything airborne <laughs> you don't say be it a bird or a plane or superman or a drone uh they fixed it they've it's back on the market if you had this in mind that you wanted to buy it the karma is back same price just all the issues have been fixed we think we hope now we got another drone update the story and i'm not seeing it in headlines here i think it was supposed to be in our show last week uh remember how we talked about the lily drone oh uh, right 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 how they had like 32 million dollars in funding and then they failed and we talked about that briefly a couple weeks ago yes and i i posited the question at what point does this become fraud the following day Apparently, San Fran- city of San Francisco had the same question, and they have brought fraud charges against the company. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but for our first main headline, we're going to go across the pond over to the EU. They don't like technology. I, I'm convinced of that. They really don't. Part of this is a problem with our understanding of it. Uh, I think part of this is a problem with their understanding of it, but currently Steam, um, Valve's Steam service, is in real trouble with the EU for um, geo-blocking. Now, if you need to know what geo-blocking is, it's basically saying you can't buy this product in this area. You can buy this product in that area. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to Americans because even though one person may be in Colorado and one person may be in Florida, it's all in the U.S., and if you can buy a video game in Florida, you can buy it in Colorado, right? Generally speaking. Europe is funny to us because many European countries are the size of our states. And yet, wildly different availability. Like, in one day, you can go from England to Switzerland. Just driving. And there are sections of the U.S. where one day's worth of driving, you're still in the same state. Yeah. So the idea of geo-blocking doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Well, the problem is is that Activision, sorry, um, Valve, has been selling activation keys and granting access to uh, customers to certain things, but only within certain areas of the EU. In this case, in this particular instance, uh, the Czech Republic or Poland. 
this actually breaches EU law because in the European Union, if you get something in one section, it should work across all. That's not entirely fair, Europe, because for a very long time, you couldn't sell certain things, uh, and still actually this case, in Germany. Wolfenstein, remember? Wolfenstein, you could not play or buy or sell in Germany. Because, because of right. Nazi stuffs. Yeah, they don't want anything Nazi-based. Never mind the fact that you were shooting Nazis. They wouldn't allow it. But now they're saying that doesn't matter. This activation key for this particular game should be allowed anywhere. I think this is an oversight on Valve's part to not allow it in all member states. But I think Europe really just needs to get its act together. And... Stop having these rules, these laws saying, well, this is the law, except if it's this or except if it's that. If you guys are going to say you're all one union and you all have the same set of laws, you guys, you need to bite the bullet and just have one set of laws, period. Yes. I just. I I really. I don't understand Europe with technology. They just. Uh, they seem, you listen to the media, you listen to the news, and they seem to be so cutting edge on so many different things, but they're not. You know, it just, I don't understand. If if somebody from across the pond could enlighten us, I would greatly appreciate it, because it just really does not make sense to me. You're going to make Paul rant about vacuums again. <laughs> well, I know Ruff has said stuff to us. I know, I think Paul you know, is Australian. To us. I know, I know. Okay, just making sure. But they're all the same. They all have a queen that's like, have you ever looked at like Australian money and Canadian money? And you know like, you can play a record with Australian money? Can you? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Go Aussies. Okay. But you look at their money, it's all got a queen that looks like the same person. I swear they're sisters. Um uh, <laughs> I know this is going to sound racist, but all those queens look alike anyway. But I just, I don't understand how Europe can justify their views on technology. And maybe it's because I'm not a socialist and they all are. And that's just how they, they are. I I don't, I don't get it though. Well, without trying to sound inflammatory, I think, (laughs) never mind. This just flat out is going to sound inflammatory. I'm going to start a fight here. I, I know it. I think they want to be the United States. I don't think they want to be us. I don't think they want to be the USA. I think they want to be the ESE. Sorry, the USE. They want to be the United States of Europe. They don't want to be individualized sovereignties. They want to be all part of one union. But they can't admit that to themselves. They can't give up their national identities. It's so much more convenient to hate each other when you're all separate countries and have separate languages. But they're so small, they're so packed in together, they're so close, that they all want to abide by the same laws anyway. And so that, like, makes them stupid when it comes to tech? It makes them stupid when it comes to a lot of things. <laughs> okay, there's there's one firebomb thrown. <laughs> Look, I didn't even have to get elected to office to do that. It's fun, isn't it? Um, let's move into um, back to the U.S. Uh, specifically, what is this? Nashville and Indianapolis, I think it is. 
AT&T, or Austin, excuse me, not Nashville, AT&T is starting a 5G rollout. Now, this is an article from The Verge, and they've worded it a little bit funny. Um, AT&T has this initiative called Network 3.0, and it's supposed to, and I'm quoting here, it's, quote, supposed to reach initial top speeds of 400 megabits per second, end quote. But the headline says, top speeds starting at 400 megabits per second. So, from what I'm reading from this, 5G which is not actually a technical term yet, but they're marketing it that way anyway. Don't you love that? It's like the 4G soundbar. Yeah. Um, f- or 4K soundbar. The 4K. Well, remember, there was the, what is 4G back in the day? Is it WiMAX? Yeah. Is it uh, 3G Plus? Is it LTE? There was no designation for it. We've had that conversation on this show. Yeah. Many well, times. Now, this 5G, they're saying an initial top speed, meaning they're going to artificially cap it at 400 megabits a second to begin with. Um, No word on if they're going to roll that out higher. No word if this actually will work with current phones. Like, is this just a faster LTE? We don't know. They're not saying. Well, I, I, the thing that strikes me interesting as interesting is you look at this article and it says, this isn't true 5g, which is supposed to hit one gigabit per second. I mean, this is like a third of that, little, little more than a third. And so how can they truly call it 5G? Well, especially the, if it is a different protocol, why haven't we seen any 5G phones? Yeah. Or is this simply a faster LTE? Which, I, that's kind of what they were doing when 4G came out. That's exactly what it was. And it's all marketing. It's all just propaganda. And it's annoying. It really is. It, you know, if they were to say something like, it's LTE plus, okay, I'll take that. Right? I mean, yeah, that, it's, that is it's what it plus, is. It's plus, so it's better. Sure. It's LTE supreme. It's Octane 91 LTE. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, people in Indian Austin, let us know how this is. If Indian Austin? Indian Austin. Should I say Austin and Indy? Indianapolis? Yes, Indianapolis, Indy. Okay. You make it sound like just the Native American area of Austin. <laughs> They're just rolling this out to the reservation. No, Indy, I-N-D-Y, Indy, not Indian. That's what it sounds like, Indian Austin. Yeah, because I, I speak fast. You slur. Enunciation. I am not even drunk. Um, let's go into Apple news. We talked a bit about Apple here when uh, talking with Paul. They released some news here, and this is news, but it's not new news, in a way. Okay. Oh, better mark that. That was a loud sneeze. Um... I'm not going to. Things we say we're going to fix, but we never do. (laughs) So way back in the day, um, Apple did not use Intel chips. Right? They made their, they designed their own ones. They bought them from Motorola or from IBM. uh, The PowerPCs, the G4s, G5s. 
And then they eventually went to Intel's. The Core 2 Duo was the first one I remember. And I remember all my Apple fans just going nuts. That was a big deal, though, when they started putting Intel chips in. They straight out felt abused. They felt betrayed. I think betrayed is a very good word. Because Intel is for the Microsoft trash. Right, right. How dare you go to them, you traitors. Except for the fact that I had been telling my Apple fans for years that Intel actually ran 64-bit better than the G5, that AMD and Intel had both gone leaps and bounds faster. They didn't believe me until Apple came out with the Intels. Well, the problem is, is that Intel costs a lot of money. And if you want an Intel chip, you have to pay Intel fees. And if you want a specialized chip that only you get, you have to pay more fees. And Apple doesn't like paying if they can avoid it, and I can't blame them for that. So they've been trying to develop their own ARM chips. ARM is typically what you see in mobile phones. Now, the reason I say this isn't new news is because they actually have already developed their own chip. It's being used as a coprocessor in the new MacBook Pro. That touch bar is basically a small separate computer, and it runs on an ARM chip. That way, your Intel chip isn't having to run two separate inputs, two separate displays, two separate processes at the same time. It's kind of ingenious, honestly. Yep. Apple is trying to develop this more with the idea that Apple products at max could have a low power mode that is running on ARM instead of Intel. And I'm sure down the line they're hoping they can actually move the entire system over because, unfortunately, uh, Intel uses an x86 processor architecture and ARM does not. It's a completely different system. Just saying. (laughs) Okay. But this could definitely be a return to engineering form for Apple, which would be kind of cool. And it comes at just the right time because this week we learned that Apple got kicked from its spot as the most valued brand in the world. Which is a big deal. It's a huge deal. They've been at the top of this list for five years, since 2012. Mm -hmm. However, this year they reported a 27% fall in brand value. And now the new one is Google. Not Alphabet. Google. Yeah, and Google... They jumped up 24% over last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon has jumped up. It's now number three. It's up 53%. AT&T is number four. Microsoft number five. Samsung is uh, seven. Sorry, number six. They were seven last yeah, year. They were seven, yeah. Verizon is now seven. They were five. Walmart is holding steady at eight. Facebook had a big jump. From 17th last year to 9th. Right, right. You know, I hate Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I just, I, I, oh, I, I don't, I saw Zuckerberg. We're, we're going to get into that. We can go into that more because we have a later headline. Okay, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll save my thoughts. Um, Also really cool, and it's not necessarily part of this list, but it is related to it. Microsoft actually reported that uh, they're valued at $500 billion. Their market value has gone up to $500 billion, and this is the first time since 2000 
that they've been that much. Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, seventeen years is a long time, especially in the tech world. But the heyday of Microsoft back then, they were unchallenged by nearly everyone. Apple was fighting back from bankruptcy. Um, social media didn't exist. Google didn't exist. AOL was winding down and dying. You had MSNBC, the Microsoft Network. You had Windows 98, Windows 2000, Windows ME, uh, Windows NT4. You had Windows CE. You had Sidewinder. They just ruled all. And everyone else got better. And I think Microsoft rested on their laurels a bit, and I also think that they lost sight of who they were. Right. And it, it's kind of nice to see. I still question at times if they've really found their identity again and understand who they are and what they do and what they do well. But it looks like they're starting over the last few years to really kind of get back in that groove. Well, a big part of this uh, resurgence has been the Surface brand. You know, yes. someone at work I, I know told me, well, no one buys Surface. Surface is crap. No one likes Surface. I'm like, well, some people do because guess what? It's it's carrying them. So Surface and Xbox and Office 365, their cloud services, yeah, have just been carrying the company. And I think they've learned that services are where it's at. So if the Surface phone that we mentioned uh, during the feedback portion, if it comes to pass, I think it's going to have a big part to do with services and allowing other services to be a part of it as well. Yeah. So um, speaking of things that no one wants to buy anymore, the iPad. No one's buying the iPad. 22% drop. Like a stone. This is this is not surprising to me. It's not surprising. Now, uh, when I was reading this, I kind of heard it in my head going, but wait a minute, is anyone buying tablets anymore? You know, I really don't think there are. You don't, there's not really good Android tablets out there right now. People are clamoring. I saw, I was looking on Reddit the other day. People were complaining that they can't find a good 7 or 8 inch Android tablet that's quality. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can go find all sorts of Chinese crap in that size. Well, let's... Okay, the CFO of Apple said that uh, iPad is doing great. And he said that Apple has a 85% market share among tablets that cost more than $200. See, when you have to start <laughs> specifying... For all we know, that for all we know, tablets that cost more than two hundred dollars may only be five percent of the tablet market total. Yeah. So to have eighty-five percent market share of only five percent of the market, well, good for you. Congratulations, you have four percent of the market. But the problem is, and this is a backhanded compliment, I get it. The iPad hasn't changed a whole lot in recent years. No, it hasn't. Uh, and it was built to last. Which means if you have an iPad that's even three years old, there's very few things the new iPad can do that your three-year-old one can't do, if Except anything. Except receive updates. Well, yeah. But it probably <laughs> is still working fine. And unless you drop the thing on the screen, it's probably great. Yeah. 
So why spend $600 on a new one when your old one is working just fine? It's you've kind of Apple's kind of boxed themselves in with their own success in this way. Yeah, that's true. You make good quality that doesn't need to be replaced every two years and your sales are going to drop because people aren't going to need to replace because of the good quality. They're a victim of their own success. What they need to do, they need to come out with a whole new device. I don't know what it'll be, but they need to come out with a whole new device. Yeah. Yeah, they they need to do something innovative, truly innovative, not just drop a headphone jack or something. They They really need to just be like out of the box thinking and and throw something out there that's just going to wow everyone. They need to be the Apple that first launched the iPad is what they need to be. Yeah. Um, Not the Apple that says our Apple watch is the most successful product we have, but we won't tell you how many we've sold. Well, if you have numbers and facts, then you can contest information. Right. Um, So Tim Cook said, quote, the holiday demand for the Apple Watch was so strong we couldn't make enough. We couldn't be more excited about Apple Watch. That's not an actual number, Tim. If you're only making one per day and demand is that you sell more than one per day, that statement is still factually true, but that's not a good number. Yeah. I... I I don't like how he, he does that a lot, it seems. Well, he's taking a page from Amazon, because Amazon does that too. And a lot of companies do it. I'm not just laying it at Apple's feet. But it's like, don't... You can't put a smoke screen up like that and think that I'm not seeing it for what it is. The sad thing is, though, it works on a lot of people, which is why they keep doing it. And, you know, we should also mention... Uh, the revenue from Apple's other products, which includes Apple TV, Apple Watch, Beats, iPod, and accessories, dongles, was down about 8% as well. So, yeah, I, Apple is, I don't think Apple is strong right now. I don't think they're weak. I don't think they're on, in danger of anything. But No, it's, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, you're right. They're certainly not on the uptick of their swing. Um And this next headline deals with them, but it's not their fault. It's just straight up hilarious. So Apple sells certain things in their stores that are licensed from other manufacturers and only sold by Apple. Um, LG is a big friend of theirs in that way. They'll sell a display, in this case, a 5K display that you can only buy through Apple, but it's not an Apple display, if that makes sense. It's an LG display. They're just kind of a reseller of it. Right, right. And again, they're not the only ones that do this, but LG is currently selling a 5K display through Apple Store, but it doesn't work if you have Wi-Fi. Specifically, if you have wireless uh, a wireless access point within two meters, so roughly almost 10 feet of... Six feet, six inches is two meters. How big is a meter? Three feet, three inches. I thought it was more than that. No. That's why I always laugh when 
They're in the Death Star briefing, and they say the exhaust port's not much more than two meters. And Luke says, I used to blast Womp Rats back home in my T-16. They're not much bigger than two meters. That is a freaking big rat. <laughs> That's a rat roughly the size of my car. Yeah, that is six-foot rat, six-and-a-half-foot rat. Hey, Cortana, how big is a meter? Okay, you're right. 3.28 feet. Yeah, Michael Jordan is two meters tall. That's how I know. He's six uh, foot six inches. To each our own. So you have to have a wireless access, a wireless access point at least six feet away from this monitor, or else the monitor doesn't work. Now, this has been confirmed. LG is trying to roll out a fix for it or even replace them. Um, how bizarre, though. You know, I don't know that they could roll out a fix for it without replacing it. Because, I mean, this tells me they, there's a shielding issue here. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I remember years ago I had this nice, um, oh, I can't even remember the brand. But uh, it was a really nice, like, 25-inch CRT computer monitor. And I'd have my phone sitting down next to my keyboard. And whenever my phone would ring... I would know it was going to ring about two seconds beforehand because my screen would start to flicker. The old 2G. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it I was mean, known for that. Yeah. And, and that's basically what we've got going on here, only a little more extreme, I think. Well, the problem is, is that Wi-Fi runs on two different bands, 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. Yes. Everything runs on 2.4 gigahertz. Yes. So the fact that the monitor isn't shielded from that... It's a massive problem. That is. That, that is a huge oversight. Um, let's jump ahead, um, only because this is tangentially Apple-related. You remember the San Bernardino um, terrorist, the shooter, yes. who had a locked iPhone. Apple famously refused to unlock it for the government, and the government went and found someone else to build them a tool to unlock it. And the whole time, Tim Cook is saying, don't do it, don't do it. As soon as you make this tool, as soon as this tool is out there in the wild, it will be abused. You will lose track of it. You will lose control of it. And then all security is gone. They said, no, that'll never happen. We're not going to do that. We're the government. Well, guess what? It's happened. Hackers broke it, were able to get into the company who made that tool, steal all the tools that were used to unlock the phone, and put them up on the internet. Yay. I don't even have words for this. I mean, we knew it was going to happen. And everybody told the government this will happen. And the fact that the government thought that this time it will be different. I don't know why I expected anything different. Well, and the real kick in the nads is is that that means that if not this upcoming version of iOS or iPhone, but the next one, but one soon, will come out with all those vulnerability holes patched so those tools don't work. Yes. Which means the next time some person, some ne'er-do-well, has an iPhone that's locked, we're going to go into this cycle all over again where the government is once again saying, hey, Apple, unlock this. Apple says no, and we don't want to build these tools because then they'll – We'll lose control of them. The government finds someone else to break it. Then that tool gets out into the wild, and Apple is left to patch it again. Now, I know that this wasn't the government that got broken into, but it seems like 
in the last six months or so, we've talked a lot about government hacking tools. You mean like there's some kind of cyber war going on? Yeah, like uh, all this stuff that they're using keeps getting stolen. Strange, that. It is. So interesting. Thankfully, our government has been well secured with the Gmail address, so no one's going to get into that. Let's hope they got two-factor authentication. Um, moving back. Speaking of hackers, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and the government. <laughs> it's it's all over the place, isn't it? Who do we want to talk about first? Uh, let's go Ohio. It's easier to laugh at them. Oh, goodness. So a town in Ohio got hijacked by ransomware. Now, we've talked about ransomware before. It's hit the FBI. It's hit a sheriff station. I've gotten hit by it. You, um... You install just the wrong thing, it starts to encrypt things, and if you want it to be unencrypted, you have to pay, right? That's why it's called ransomware. Well, Licking County in Ohio had that happen. The government offices, the police force, everyone got shut out by ransomware. And they had to pay. Including 911 dispatch. That's that's bad news. Yeah. Yeah, I oh my gosh. This we're seeing this more and more frequently with governments too. Well, okay, so that at least there's a reason why, okay? Someone um wasn't paying enough attention. It was a human error. Okay? How about something a little bit more scary? Hackers hijacked all of Washington, D.C.'s police closed-circuit cameras eight days before the inauguration. Which is terrifying. That's like something out of, like, a spy thriller. First thing you do, take their eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they got 70%, they also got 70% of storage devices that recorded the data. Um, they left uh, ransomware, left police cameras unable to record between the 12th and the 15th of January affected 123 out of 187 network video recorders in a closed circuit TV system. Now the secret service is saying that the public, the safety of the public or their protectees was never jeopardized. To which I'd say, well, sure, if you were thinking that Jeopardy is going to be the camera attacking you, you're right. The camera was never going to attack you. But it's not your safety that was jeopardized. It was the ability to catch people who meant to violate that safety. That was jeopardized. There's well, no way around that. There's no way to spin that. Yeah, when you're talking about that, you lose your eyes in a city like D.C., I've watched 24. I know how it works. There's cameras everywhere. Enhance. Come on. You can read that license plate like nobody's business. But just what the crap? How how does this keep happening? Well, because, you know, let's just have companies handle all of our internet. That's what's best. If only we could fix the cyber. Yeah. Um, or catch that 400-pound kid in his bed, you know, before he strikes again. Yeah. So, um, New York City's doing something interesting. They're actually suing an ISP. 
you are coughing a lot tonight. You're like Schmitty. Yeah, I've been sick for the last week. Hmm. So, um, Charter, uh, which used to be Time Warner Cable in that area, which we know is of Satan, um, is being sued by New York City. It's They're saying subscribers who paid for the highest end plans, which are ones 100 megabits and above, um, only got speeds like 70% slower than that, which is so slow, it was actually being outshown by lower tiers. Now, according to investigators, according to the Attorney General's office, Charter knew that this was going to be the case because Charter's own network isn't capable of delivering speeds above 100 megabits. Is it any wonder why people are sick of cable companies? Now, if we're going to be perfectly honest, this is just another case of the dishonest media. Because as we all know, media is actually a term used to describe the conveyance of information. So your ISP is actually a form of media in that it delivers communication to you. CDs are also media. DVDs are also media. You can trust those. But obviously you can't trust this media because it's delivering speeds 70% less than what you paid for. It's just alternative speeds. Oh, right. Right. You're right. Just alternative. So, now, Charter has told Reuters that they're preparing to defend against the lawsuit and insists that they will, quote, continue to invest in its services. In fact, we got a new ad campaign coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying that uh, New York reckons that the compensation for this could run into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Their new ad campaign uh, advertises their top-end service where you get 30,000 kilobits per second. Ooh. Yeah, right? 30,000 is a lot, dude. 30,000 kilobits a second only costs you $150 a month, but for 30,000, hey... Just that's, don't learn how to do base 10 math. Yeah, that that's a lot. 30,000. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. How fast is your internet? It's 30,000 30, fast. Yeah. 30,000 fast. <laughs> wow. Um, let's skip the next one. Zoner, do you belong to any Xbox ISO forums? I don't know that I do. I'm sure you do because they got hacked. Yeah. Okay. Two and a half million Xbox 360 and PSP ISO forum accounts were breached. Um, So this next one, this next headline, I'm a little bit torn about. Um, We have a new head of the FCC, um, Ajit Pai. I think I'm saying his name right. I hope I'm saying it right. Um, He has replaced Tom Wheeler. And he frankly thinks that the FCC is a bunch of crap. He's against net neutrality. He's pretty much against everything we're for. Um, And he's already handed down his first decision. And I can't see myself caring a whole lot. But I'm going to get into why I feel conflicted about this here with the next headline. This decision was a decision by Tom Wheeler saying that cable companies had to open source their cable boxes. Which is a follow-up to something we've talked about on this show. Right, right. So that those cable boxes you have um, had to be open source so other people could see what was in them. Well, why does that matter? Well, it matters because if... Let's use Comcast because Comcast is the biggest, okay? And because they're a, a headline coming up. 
let's say that Comcast open sourced their box. So suddenly people can go in and look at the code that they use. Well, that means that a company like, say, Google could take that code and copy it in, making sure they, they go over the same GPL v2 open source license, and put Comcast services on, say, a Google TV or an Apple TV. Right? Yeah. Well, hey, that's awesome. That would be great. Except the only people who actually wanted this are the two companies I just mentioned. Because that's exactly what they wanted to do. Roku doesn't care. They couldn't care less. The only reason this would have been good would have been for other companies to come in and make their own cable boxes for you. It wouldn't have given you improved service. It wouldn't have given you more channels. It's not hacking your cable. It's just giving you the exact same thing, but from someone else. Yeah. Now, here's why I'm conflicted. Because on one hand, it's sixes. You're either paying your cable provider for use of the box, right? Or you're going out and buying it from someone else. Either way, you're still paying for the same service. So it doesn't matter. But on the flip side, it has always been an FCC rule that so long as you are not using anything that disrupts service for the company or for other people, you should always be able to use your own stuff. Um, an example here would be like, you can go out and buy a radio to listen to, you know, the radio, or you can build your own. And so long as your radio doesn't interfere with radio waves in your neighborhood, right? It doesn't put out uh, interference or whatnot then you're fully able to do that. That's your legal, lawful right. And it's always been that way. But no one actually cares. Because no one's buying, building their own cable boxes. Now, again, here's why I'm conflicted. Because the next headline is that Comcast decided to say, okay, well, thanks for helping us out with that one. We're now going to charge more money for people who are using our services through third-party providers such as Roku. So even if you don't have a cable box from Comcast, they are going to charge you, they call it an access fee. I, I think that's what it is. Let's be clear on this. This is an app that Comcast made for Roku gave to Roku that allows you to access your Comcast service that you already pay for. Yeah, now, I think I saw something. Um, I think I saw a commercial for Comcast saying that you no longer need to have a box to be able to access their service. That's a big selling point because who wants an unsightly box? You know, there's right. enough stuff connected to your TV. Right. And with Roku TVs being as you know, everywhere. Hey, isn't it great that you don't need any, any of this extra hardware, except now you need to pay for the convenience of not using Comcast hardware which or is, use a cable box, which, you know, you then pay Comcast for. This seems dirty. I don't like this at all. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's why I'm just so torn about this. Cause on one hand it's an agreement over, or it's a decision over an FCC rule that I don't actually care about, but, 
it's also something that's opened the door for cable companies to just say, awesome, give us our money. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Comcast, let, let's just sum it up here. Comcast will charge you a fee for renting a cable box. If you buy the cable box, they will charge you a fee for using your own cable box. And now they will charge you a fee for having no cable box at all. And I love this article. It says it's not too hard to see why just last month Comcast was named the most hated company in America. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Fitbit. Remember, they bought everyone. Evidently, they spent all that money on other companies, so they're laying people off. Um, Coin, that digital wallet that they that they uh, bought, will be yeah. shut down. Now, this I don't think this was a surprise, because I think when they purchased it, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion they were going to shut it down. Yep. So if you use that uh, service, um, and I don't think many people do, it will be no longer available for new signups or for adding service. Your current coin card will continue to work. There was a lot of C's in that statement until the battery dies. And then after that, it'll just no longer work at all. So if you got money affiliated with it, get it out while you can. I remember this happening with Google Wallet, too. Yeah. That was a pain. Um, Tesla Motors is no longer Tesla Motors. Oh? Yeah, they're now just Tesla. You know, though, when I think of Tesla Motors, I just think of Tesla. So I don't see that as being a huge change. Mm-hmm. True. Um, and they are now also powering some of Southern California. Um, they have these power packs, right? Like the ones that they were going to uh, sell for residential use. I'd love to get some of those to complement my solar panels. Wouldn't it be great? Well, what they've done here is they've installed a 1.5 acre facility with them in the Miraloma Energy Storage Area on in Ontario, California. And it just powers up and it charges during peak production times and during lulls it then provides power and it can provide power for up to 15,000 homes for four hours uh, just during peak times or for 2,500 homes for the entire day. Here's why this is so awesome. Okay. At the, uh, near my home, we have a wind farm at the base of the Canyon. There's a lot of wind that comes down there and it just makes perfect sense to put windmills there to put turbines. The wind is almost always coming through the canyon, but we notice that much of the time the turbines aren't spinning. Well, that's because they don't need power right then. So they lock the turbines. It makes no sense to be generating power when we can't be using it, when we don't need it, because that just adds additional wear and tear to the turbines. It wears them out faster. And for as awesome as humans are at generating electricity, we're actually really, really, really horrible at transporting it or storing it. So if you're not using the power right then, it's a waste to generate. But what happens when we're not generating enough, when we suddenly need to have more power? Well, that's when they have to fire up a coal reactor or a natural gas reactor to generate that lull, to, to make up the difference. What this does, what this Tesla power station does, is it means that wind turbines can be running all the time whenever there's wind, and it will use what power it needs for us and then put the rest into these batteries. Then when the wind dies down or when, say, everyone turns their AC on, instead of having to fire up a coal power plant to make up the difference, they just dip into the batteries. 
This is awesome. It's quite brilliant. We need this everywhere. We really do. And Musk, seriously, we need those home energy reactors. Oh, man. I want those. I, um, I, I figure if I put two or three of those in my garage with my solar generation, I'm good. I'm good. You can power your Iron Man suit. It'll be great. Yes. Hey, you remember that news algorithm that uh, Facebook made to tell people uh, stuff that's in that news column on the side? The one that told us about the man pleasuring himself with a McChicken sandwich and um, the fake news headline from Fox? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it was such a rousing success, read sarcasm there, Facebook is going to repurpose it to filtering out fake news. I don't think I need to say anything else there, do I? I mean, I mean, you know, I love the headline on this. This is TechCrunch, so it's it's a pretty solid source. Facebook changes feed to promote posts that aren't fake, sensational, or spam. That right there is probably ninety five percent of the news feed. Unfortunately, being this day and age, even authentic news is sensationalized because they want you to like or share or engage, you know, comment what you're thinking. I mean, heck we do it at the end of every show, you know, it's the call to engage. Yeah. But I mean, we're, we're not clickbaity. No, we're not, but I'm but saying even this algorithm is going to be set to go for people. Um, let's see here. Um, detects detects and promotes content that people consider genuine and not misleading, sensational, or spammy. Like, but here's the problem. People are idiots. They are. They'll read the truth and consider it misleading. Well, and I think that in this day and age, too, we live in such an echo chamber where if it's news that you don't disagree or that you don't agree with, regardless of how accurate it is factually, a lot of people will immediately dismiss it as fake because it doesn't conform to their worldview. Indeed. Um, also in Facebook news, we're, we got to hurry this up here. We've almost made it through. I'm amazed. Um, so this, we need to almost dedicate an entire episode to this but there is a um there's an article on vice that talks about big data and specifically the cambridge analytica group that takes information on people and figures out a whole marketing campaign and how to get basically how to get you to buy anything and if you want to know where they're getting that data they're getting it from you all those Facebook quizzes you take, which president are you? What color are you? What type of lightsaber best describes you? Which Twilight character are you? What does your name mean? What is your political affiliation? And I'm just as guilty of it as anyone. But all those quizzes that we've been doing on our own, we have been donating information, volunteering it to this big data research firm. And oh, by the way, this is the same marketing firm that the Trump campaign used, that the Brexit campaign used. So when I say they can get us to buy anything, I mean it. It's because they know exactly what we want. It's 1984, man. Um, we don't Brave have a lot of time world. to go into this, but definitely read this article because it is terrifying. It really is. I, I think Brave New World, I think that's it, the book. Yeah. 
Um, it, it's more that than 1984, but there are elements of 1984 there. But, I mean, we just welcome this into our lives. We're excited for this. And we're just giving them whatever they need. Mm-hmm. And finally, a hilarious headline. Um, cable companies used to uh, send you a notice saying, hey, we notice you're downloading this movie. Um, if you do that again, we're going to sue you. You know, that's illegal. Yeah, it turns out most people who were doing that already knew that it was illegal. <laughs> and sending them a letter asking them to stop wasn't being very effective. So they're going to stop doing that now. It just wasn't getting any results. And also suing you into oblivion for it also wasn't getting results. Who so knew? what are they doing now? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they do either. They're, they're going to do something and you're not going to like it. You know what they could do? Make all of their content available through Netflix, Hulu, um, anything else. Amazon Prime. I'll tell you this. Since um, I now have Amazon Prime, we have Hulu, which we don't use as much, and we have Netflix, we don't download anything really anymore. Yeah, you know, it's funny. My kids will ask me. They're like, hey, Dad, can you get this show for me or something? They want like... 18 seasons of some TV show or whatever. It's like, I'm not going to download it for you. Well, just get it for Plex. They think that Plex is like some sort of magical thing like Netflix where you just go there and you watch the shows that you want. You just need to get it on Plex for us, Dad. No, I'm not going to do that. First of all, I don't need 60 gigs of iCarly. Nobody needs 60 gigs of iCarly. You, you know what you need to do is just download every episode of Bananas and Pajamas, rename it to a show that they really wanted to watch, and throw it on there. And then say, this is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens. All right. Into my favorite. And my favorite actually is some of that media we were talking about. The Expanse. All of season one is available on Hulu and Amazon and I think Netflix. And I got roped in. I just binged watched the entire season one. Well, season two premiered this week. Started off with a hundred minute episode and it was epic. It was so good. And if you are not watching this show, you really should be. It's Game of Thrones for us sci-fi geeks. It's well done. It is just great. I can't talk enough about it. There are plenty of videos online. There's Adam Savage going nuts for it. There's the guys over at Space Dot going nuts for it. If you're a sci-fi geek, you really need to be watching this show. I do suggest you watch it with the captions turned on. A lot of people have very thick accents and they talk very quickly. So the captions kind of help. Just saying. Just my two cents. Unless but, uh, you're like accustomed to that. And they're speaking Creole. I don't think anyone's accustomed to it. <laughs> Just saying. My favorite this week is a quick little video from, I believe it's people over at Vox, uh, talking about why cartoon characters wear gloves. If you stop and think about it, most of them do. Not all of them, but most of them. And the question is, why do they wear gloves? And there's just a quick little trip down memory lane with, with some animators and and going into some some cartoon vaults to discuss this answer. It's it's pretty cool. I like it. Very cool. I thought it was really interesting. Vox makes some really good instructional videos like that, some educational ones. Not instructional, educational, enlightening. Yeah. 
Um, that is our show for Weasel Stomping Day. Um, go ahead, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Email us, feedback at stolendroids.com. Give us a call at 801-917-GEEK. Someone pointed out that our contact form is broken. Uh, we are working on that. We're actually, we have something in the works for you guys. We have a new website coming down the pipe soon. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be exciting. Yes, if we can ever get it finished. We're close. Yeah, we're, we're, we're uber close. We're this close. You can't see it, but I'm holding up my hand. Uh, until next time, cheers. Good day. Love that wonderful grunging noise. You'll know what this day's about when you talk.